Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. I do this thing. I'm not sure how many of you are like this, but every year on my birthday, uh, I give myself uh, what I call um, an existential audit. Does, does it make it sound scary? And so I, I audit my life. On my birthday, I go like, all right, another year has come. A new year has come. You know, you're turning older. What have you done with your life? You know, and, and so I, I spend some time just, just auditing, just you know, checking myself with the Lord and just checking my heart and, and, and making sure that, uh, you know, that I'm mindful of areas that I need to work on. And so that I can ask God for grace and strength to overcome in areas of those weaknesses. Amen. And so, you know, I was just spending some time, and I know it sounds like a very scary thing, but, but it's just a thing that I do. And, uh, and so I was just spending some time just, just, you know, seeking God and just thanking Him, thanking Him for, for, for just saving me, you know, from, from, from 11 years old, I came to know Jesus. And, and, and from 11 years old, God has been shaping and transforming my life. And so every year on my birthday, I, I give thanks for His salvation. I give thanks that He saved me. I give thanks that Jesus died on the cross for me to rescue me. Rescue me from what? Rescue me from, from, from the punishment of sin. Rescue me from the, the wrath of God. I know sometimes in church, we don't like to hear the word wrath of God, the judgment of God. But if God is good, He, he will judge. You know, if we live in a world where God sees, but He doesn't judge, that's a horrible world. And so, if we believe that God is good, we must also believe that He will judge, and He will judge justly. Uh, and, but the, the thing is this, that God is so holy that, that, that even though we might not be the worst person, you know, many times I talk to people who don't know Jesus yet, they go like, I don't think I need Jesus, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I'm not a mass murderer. Uh, I'm, my, my middle name is not Adolf, and my last name is not Hitler. You know, like, like I'm, not, I'm not an evil person. I don't think I need forgiveness. And, and maybe by human standards, when we judge each other, maybe you're not that bad. But according to God's standard, and none of us, the Bible says, all have sinned. And then I begin to, to reflect on, on my life. And even though I'm a pastor, you know, I, I have areas I need to work on. And, and, and even from 11 years old, one of the areas that, that, that really caused, convicted me that, that I'm a sinful person was, was I was a child with deep anger issues. You know, I, I'm still wrestling with that. You know, my wife has a nickname for me. She calls me the volcano. You know, sometimes I'll hold it in, hold it in, hold it in. And then on one bad day, every Everything explodes. You know, how many volcanoes are here? No, no, all very zen, all very like, no, no, I never, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be at once. You know, it makes me lie down besides green pastures. Great on you. Please come and pray for me after that. You know, but I was just, you know, uh, saying that God, you know, I'm, I'm uh, thank you for, 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 for saving me. Thank you for, for rescuing me from my, my own mistakes, my own wrong decisions, uh, uh, from protecting me from, from, from the, your wrath and, and for your son. And, and, and I begin to meditate and I, I begin to tell God, God, I, I, I'm a work in progress, but I am my best version of myself when I'm with you. You know, I, I, I was just spending some time with God. I said, God, I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm, I, I made progress from where I used to be. I, I'm nowhere near where God wants me to be. 
But, but right in between, I feel like I am the best version of myself when I am with God and when God is so near in my life. And, and even though you might not do this kind of audits because maybe you are a very good and gracious person, um, but we experience that to a certain extent. For example, in church. Don't you realize that every time we come together in church, there's just something about this gathering. Isn't there, church? You know, there's something. You know, you are the best version of yourself when you're in church. Really. You know, you don't play with your phone that much. You know, some of you woke up extra early today, you know, to be in church. You're the best version. Some, for, by the grace of God, today, you are functioning at the person that you wish you could be every day. Am I speaking to some people here? You know what I'm saying, right? Some of us go like, I, I wish I can wake up early every day like I wake up when I serve on Sunday. You know, and, and, and this is not a condemnation of anyone. This is to remind us that that, that that is true. We are the best version of ourselves when we are focused on God. We are the best version of ourselves when God is in the picture. We are the best version of ourselves when we prioritize God. We are the best version of ourselves when we spend time with God. We are the best version of ourselves when we praise God. We are the best version of ourselves when we serve God. We, you know, right in His church, we feel the most at peace. We feel the most joy. We, we become the most gracious and even courageous person. Some of you are afraid to talk to people, but... But in church, you will talk to people. And what is that? That's not you. That's the presence of God. And so I'm, I'm here to encourage you to say that, you know what? We need more of God. And when we have more of God, you know, we become who? The best version of who God wants us to be. And, and what a world. Can you imagine a world? You know, every day, you know, the world, the city of London is filled with people uh, who are the best version of themselves. There's going to be so much healing in this nation, in this city. There's going to be so much joy. There's going to be so much peace. There's going to be just so much fun. <laughs> Amen? And I was meditating on that. God began to remind me and say that, do you know that, you know, my presence is not just in church. Don't get me wrong. There's something about it when we gather. There is, you know, this is like a spiritual hotspot. You know, have you been in those days when Wi-Fi technology was still relatively new? And so there are areas where house where you just go like, there's one bar, what's this, you know? And then there are places where you go like, whoa, you know? You do the, the kind of like Wi-Fi check on Google and it says they're very fast, you know, extremely fast. Uh, and, and, and there's something about being in God's presence that it's the prime uh, a hot spot of God's glory and of His goodness. But the Holy Spirit began to remind me, hey, I can do that every day for you. And my hope today is to help us to live being a little bit more mindful, being a little bit more involved and being a bit more, you know, uh, uh, in sync uh, with the Holy Spirit. And so if, if you have... Uh, uh, if you're planning to take down notes, if you have a Bible and, and, and a notepad, uh, why do you write down this? If you're taking down notes, the title of my message today is called Living by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit. And God is saying that teach my people how to live by the Spirit so that they can experience His glory, His power, His peace, not just once a week in church. 
Not just, you know, at homes or prayer meeting or every time Christians gather, but every day of our lives. And that we can even bring that presence to wherever God wants us to be. And so why don't you turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 26. John 14, 26. We're going to read this, all right? And then we're going to just going to unpack it. John 14, 26 this, says this, Jesus is teaching, right? So Jesus has taught a lot. And back then, there was no iPads. There was no tape recorders. And so I, I think they were just trying their best to, to remember by, by memory. There wasn't, the paper itself was even very hard to get by. You know, today, nowadays, we go to some places, they give us a free gift, you know, notepad. We go like, oh, who, who uses you know, pen and paper anymore. But, but, but in ancient times, pen and paper was, was a treasure. You know, it wasn't, a piece of paper was not so easy to get by. And so, of, of course, as, as Jesus was teaching and, and imparting, there, were, there was a concern among his listeners and his believers. Like, oh, wow, I, I need to process this. I hope I don't forget any bit of information because everything is a nugget of truth, a nugget of gold. And then Jesus says, don't worry, the helper... The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father, amen, we have a God the Father, will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Do you know what's the biggest problem that many Christians face every day? The biggest problem that Christians face daily is not your addiction. It's not your fear. It's a memory problem. Many times we forget. It's not like God is not good, but we forget that He is good. It's not that God is not in control. We forget that He is in control. It's not like God doesn't answer our prayers. We forget that He answers our prayers in His perfect timing and in His perfect way. And so, Jesus here is saying that not only will the Holy Spirit come upon you, the Holy Spirit will not only teach you and help you, but the Holy Spirit will help you to remember. Turn to your neighbor and says, Remember. Remember. Amen? And the Holy Spirit will teach us to remember how to live for Jesus, how to live in a way that's pleasing to Him, and how to live victoriously. You know, I, I find myself like that. You know, how many of you here, uh, uh, you know, life, you find life scary? Anyone here? You find life scary? Yeah? Yeah, like me. And, and sometimes uh, things in life, uh, how many of you have been frightened by emails before? Yeah, uh, frightened by, by by text messages before, or a lack thereof. <laughs> uh, and, and 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 we we life is scary, and sometimes if you're like me, there are days where I can be so overwhelmed that I get paralyzed by that fear, and I feel it's not like I I want to be lazy, it's not like I want to be unproductive, but I just. Sometimes an email, sometimes a text message, or sometimes just something, a bad news, can just, it's almost spiritual, it just zaps all strength out of me. You've been there before? And I go like, oh man, I don't know how I can do this. And, and it's in those times, it's not like in those moments of weakness, God is certainly not real. God suddenly becomes a figment of my imagination. No, 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 far from it. It's those times that I actually need to remember that even though I'm scared, but God is still in control. Even though I might feel weak, but He is my strength. 
Amen? And, and if, if only we could be reminded every single time we go through an obstacle, wow, what a victorious, what a fulfilling, what a fun life that will be. And maybe, you know, some of us here, recently you've been through some really tough time. Maybe you've had a health problem. Maybe you had a horrible time at work. Maybe you've received some bad news about, I don't know, back home or your health. I want you to know that no matter what, that bad report, that bad interaction, uh, that bad review does not have the final say. God has. Amen. He is seated on high. Jesus is seated on the throne. He is in charge. And, and, and we just need to remember that. Amen? And so, you know, I want to help us. How, how, how do you live by the Spirit? By constantly remembering that, that not only is God still on the throne, but the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And I, I believe that many times that is the most under... Uh, the underestimated and underutilized aspect of our Christian faith is that as Christians, not only do we sometimes allow the bad news of life to rob us of the good news, but we actually forget that we have the Holy Spirit in us. You know, some of us here, we, 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 we know, you know, I, I, I visited, I had fellowship with some people, I visited your houses before, and some of you are so tech-savvy, you know, you're like a Tony Stark, your whole house is AI, you know, turn light on, the light is on, you know, you know, and, and you know, you're cooking something, and then you're, you're baking something, you're putting some, a cake, a half-baked cake into the oven, and then instead of setting the timer, like, like me, uh, you will go like, um, uh, Alexa, set reminder for 50 minutes. And, and then your house talks back to you. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, you know, this is like science fiction. No, no, it's real life. But how many of us here actually know that, that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us? And He's, he's more than an AI. Amen? He is, he's, he's, you know, He's the Alpha, He's the Omega, and, and He's... he's raw power. We sing, right? We, we sing and we declare before that the, the, the same power that conquered the grave, the same power that caused Jesus to be resurrected, we declare, we sing it, we say, it lives in me, in us. But how come we don't ask Him for help? How come we forget Him? How come we don't depend on Him? And so, my encouragement for all of us here, because don't get me wrong, as Christians, when Jesus has set us free, we are free indeed. But it's also a spiritual thing. You know, the chains that Jesus broke in our lives are not just physical chains, because if they were, they will be forever broken. But they are spiritual chains. And we are spiritual beings. And sometimes even though Jesus has set us free and broke those spiritual chains, sometimes the spiritual chains have a way of growing back. You've been there before. And so even though you love Jesus very much, you still struggle with fear. Even though you love Jesus very much and has He set you free? Yes, He has. But we still struggle with addiction. We still have issues with surrender. We, 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 we still struggle in certain areas of our lives. 
Certain areas is like the holy of holies, you know, and then certain areas is like the outer darkness, you know, and 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 there's and and does it mean that you are evil? Does it mean that God doesn't love you? Does it mean that you are a phony Christian? No, no, it just means that we just need more help from the Holy Spirit, and that's what the Holy Spirit is. He comes, He fills us, He dwells in us, but He's also there to remind us and to help us. He's a helper to live victoriously for God. Amen? And so, if, if you are a Christian and you love God, but you still struggle to be consistent in your walk with Him, you're at the right place at the right time. Nobody here is going to judge you. Nobody here is going to hate on you. We're going to help you with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so, the Holy Spirit is most and best experienced by us believers when He is at the right place place over our lives. And so I have three points for us that will help us put our lives in order a little um, by making sure that the Holy Spirit is at the right place over our lives. Amen? And so I've got three points for us. And so to live by the Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to keep working and reminding us so that we can live victoriously for Him. Point number one, we need to make sure that He is over us. He is over us. Right? Now, maybe some of you here, I don't know everyone, maybe some of you are new, and you might be coming from more, you know, I don't know, maybe certain Christian traditions uh, uh, that, that, that struggle uh, to embrace the, the, the gifts of the Spirit um, and maybe you're, you're more for, or you're more uh, focused on producing the fruits of the Spirit. Whether gifts or fruits, it's, it's of the same Spirit. And, and even if we disagree or, or, or we are still processing what does that gift mean and how does that operate in our world today, it doesn't change the fact that the Holy Spirit is alive and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. If God is in us, then my question to all of us here today, God's question to all of us here today, is where is He? If, if, if God is in us, is He by the side? Is He in a little compartment that we open up once a year called Pentecost or called break in case of emergency? And you go like, oh, I need the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's only when there's life and death that you break the glass and you start speaking in tongues. You know, and, and if the Holy Spirit is present and alive, then He needs to be over us. He needs to be Lord over our lives. He needs to be lifted up. He needs to be, we need to be constantly aware of Him. The Holy Spirit is not an addition. It's not an add-on to your faith. He is the author of your faith. And, and this is so evident. In fact, it's so evident from the very beginning. So, to help us understand the importance of having the Holy Spirit over us, let's turn to Genesis chapter 1, but let's look at verse 2. Genesis 1, 2. Very simple, I know, we know this by heart. And sometimes it's in the simple things that we just fly by and we miss it. But, but here, let me just break it down to you. I was meditating on this recently and, and God began to show this to me and I hope it blesses you too, right? So, of course, in the beginning, God created heavens and earth, right? And then verse 2, the earth was without form, void, 
and darkness was on the face of the deep. The deep what? The deep, the deep waters, right? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, right? Okay, this is where I need you to pay attention, okay? The earth was without form and void and darkness. Times like this, we need to remember that the Bible wasn't written originally in English. English sometimes is very polite and very tame. But in the original Hebrew, it says that the earth was without form and void. And so if you want to impress some friends, you know, without form, the Hebrew word is, is tohu, right? And void, right, is vohu. And so in the beginning, it was formless and empty and desolate. The Hebrew word is tohu vavohu. Okay, not tofu, but tofu, okay? But tohu vavohu. And, and, and if you look at the Strong's Concordance, it means chaotic, disordered, and incomplete waste. Have I just described your room? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Sometimes our lives, even though we know Jesus, it can be very chaotic. Sometimes your lives, even though we know Jesus, it can be very disordered, unorganized, messy. And sometimes in our lives, even though we know Jesus, it's just a wasteland. And so, God is saying to us that in the beginning, He created everything, but everything was still chaotic. And, 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 and even chaotic, just chaotic water, chaotic mess everywhere. And this is where my lawyer part kicks in. As a lawyer, we love punctuations. Because a punctuation, a comma, a dot makes all the difference. And you see what's there, right? The earth was chaotic, waste, void, tohu vavohu. But then it says full stop. It was tohu vavohu on the face of the deep waters. But full stop. Full stop because the Spirit of God Ruach Elohim was hovering over the face of the waters. I want you to catch this. Before the Spirit was hovering over the waters, it was Tohu Vavohu. But when He was hovering over the waters, it became calm waters. And again, the English translation means this because in Hebrew, the water is certainly called Hamayim. And Hamayim just means water, water that that can lead to life. So, in, in the very beginning, God is saying the importance of the Holy Spirit. When He's not over you, chaotic, disordered, wasted potential. The earth, imagine that, the earth, so beautiful, but until the Spirit was hovered, the earth will continue to be a wasted potential. I, I love it when science and, and, and the Bible just merge. Because if you look at the universe, and recently they upgraded the telescope so you can look really into the universe, and they still cannot find an inhabited planet. But do you know what they find? A lot of uninhabited. They find a lot of planets, planetoids, spherical form shapes that are living proof of Tohu Vavohu. And only one planet that has life. Because the Bible says the Spirit chose to hover over this particular one. Why is the third rock from the sun, aka planet Earth, or science fiction, Terra, um, you know, why is this so, 
special. It's only special because the Spirit chose to hover over it. And so when you allow God to hover over your life, a lot of us, we, we want, you know, we, we, we go like, oh, I, I, want, I want God, you know. We, we're like making our own sandwich, like going to five guys, you know, making an order. And we go, oh, I want, I want God that has got to be the main patty, right? I want, I want that, you know, a little bit of drizzle of grace, you know, a slice of, 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 of you know, cheese uh, called mercy, you know, some sesame seeds called uh, worship. Uh, but the, leave the pickles of the Holy Spirit out. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is not a pickle that you can live out. The Holy Spirit is not a condiment, not a mustard that you don't like that you can pick. No, the Holy Spirit is everything. And until you put Him in the rightful place, no matter how talented you are, no matter how many times you read the Bible, no matter how rich you are, your life will continue to be chaotic, disordered, and a waste until he is in the rightful place. And that's why it's so important for him to be over us. Over us. Is the Holy Spirit constantly on your mind? Or is he the last thing on your mind? Maybe another word to, to help us understand over us is this. Is the Holy Spirit Lord? Is he king of your lives? Have, you know, when you make decisions, do you just make them? Or do you say, Holy Spirit, help me? Holy Spirit, speak to me. Do you engage the Holy Spirit on a regular basis? You need to. He needs to be over you. Amen? Point number two is this. He needs not only to be over us as a Lord of our lives, over us, He cannot be under us, cannot be by our side only. Don't get me wrong, He is also paraclete, the one that comes beside us, but He must also be the one that hovers over us. Amen? But point number two, He also needs to be in us. In us. Alright? What do you mean by in us? Let me ask you this. When was the last time you were filled by the Holy Spirit? And if your answer is at a youth camp somewhere, or if you say that, well, I still struggle with the concept, what does that mean? Can I encourage you to read your Bible? <laughs> Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Right, And so, Jesus died for us on the cross and the rest of the New Testament are letters and chronicles of how God is moving and perfecting His, His, His new kingdom. Perfecting uh, uh, His new people by, by, by renewing their faith, by increasing their faith and, and, and by the constant work of the Holy Spirit. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, uh, you know, the, the Bible gives us these very important instructions, right? And, and sometimes we only read this, um, you know, when, uh, when we argue with our friends, should Christians drink or not? But I'm not here, not here to talk to you about that. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or in some translation says, which leads to debauchery. In other words, don't be filled with wine. And how many know that the Bible here is not talking to us? Don't, don't have a sip of wine. No, it means don't be filled. Don't constantly drink and drink and drink because if you drink too much, you will get drunk. The Bible is so real, so practical, right? Common sense. But instead, be filled 
with the Spirit. Now, we don't have time to go into it, but go back and you can read the whole of Ephesians chapter 5. And Ephesians chapter 5 was the Bible telling us about how to live a victorious life. It says, don't, don't fall into temptation, don't fall into sexual immorality, you know, don't, don't give in to this, don't give in to that. And so the whole of chapter 5 until verse 18 was, was telling us, hey, you've been born again, you've been set apart, don't live like the way of the world, don't live in, in, in a way that's corrupt, live in a new way that pleases God. And how do you live in such a way? Because that's our struggle, isn't it, Christians? We love God, but we still have our addictions. We love God, but we still live in this world. You know, and, and every day we are tempted, one way or the other. We are tempted by different things. We are tempted. So how do we overcome our temptations in a world full of temptation? The Bible tells us, well, do it by being filled with the Spirit. And this is where I need us to unpack a little bit. Why do you think people drink to get drunk? People drink to get drunk, potentially, so that by drinking, they loosen up and they have more of an excuse to give in to the very temptations, right? How many of you have heard the excuse, oh, I was drunk, I was intoxicated? You know, we, 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 you know both me and, and Pastor Cat, we went to law school, she's the more clever one. Uh, but there are different defenses. The different def- no, that you can go to court and go like, well, my, my, my client shouldn't be charged for this because intoxication. He wasn't of the sound mind. I'm, I'm making my parents, you know, um, payment for my law degree, you know, just showing them that uh, it wasn't all wasted. And, 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 and many times we drink so that it, it gives us, you want to use the word Dutch courage or whatever, but it gives us an excuse to give in. But people also drink as a coping mechanism. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but, but you know, maybe some of us here, after a long day, you go like, I need a drink. And you're not drinking to, to, to give in, you're drinking to cope. Right? I can see a lot of people just looking away. <laughs> we drink to cope. Oh, I need a drink. To manage our pain. And, and, and that's you can ask, why do people become alcoholics? Do they, do they want to be an addict? No, nobody wants to be an addict. But it was a coping mechanism for some people that, that became a monster. And so, we drink to give in so that we can excuse, oh, God, forgive me, I was drunk. I didn't mean to do that, but I was drunk. Or we drink to cope because we've seen too much. We've experienced too much. And our faith is shaking. And we need something to ease our suffering. And so God is saying that, hey, Christians, I want you to live victoriously. Don't drink, don't fill yourself with the things of this world. What do wine represent? The things of this world. And, and, and in this world, we, even if, you're, if, you, if you go like, oh, pastor, I just can't relate because I don't drink. I never, never, even for communion, I drink Ribena. Good for you. Good for you. But we cope with more than drink, don't we? Some of us, our Instagram is our coping mechanism. Some of us, Netflix is our coping mechanism. Some of us, holidays is our coping mechanism. 
and, and in life, we use a lot of things to cope. We use entertainment to cope. We drown ourselves in entertainment, in the world of fantasy, so that we can just forget the pain that we're currently going through. And God is saying, hey, when life throws you a curveball, don't just cope with Netflix. Don't just cope with entertainment. Don't just cope with the things of this world. Don't just cope with food. I know, I'm guilty of that. I, I am, I'm a stress eater. And God is saying, don't cope with food. Don't cope with cigarettes. Don't cope with these things. Be filled with the Spirit. When, when, when temptation rears its ugly head and you feel like it's pulling you in and you're finding it harder and harder to resist, don't drink the things of this world. Don't drink the excuses of this world. How many times have we been there before? Go like, oh, I'm sure God will understand. After all, we're living in modern times. I think the Word of God is written, you know, in, in first century, you know, AD. So, I, no, I think, you know, in nowadays, I think that's permissible. I think nowadays, that's completely fine. So, so we drink the wine of excuses, the wine of other people's opinions, the wine, the philosophy, the ideas of this world, so that we feel like we can give in and God is saying, don't. When you live in a world full of temptations and excuses, and differing convictions. Don't go the way of the world. Go with the way of the Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit, fill me. Not just one time at youth camp, but fill me again and again and again. God, I need you daily. You don't get drunk having one drink. Maybe some people do, or maybe your face turns red. I'm not sure. But, but usually you need a few rounds, I've been told. <laughs> And so God and Sinek go a few rounds with him. Go a few rounds with him. Go a few rounds of prayer with him. Go, go a few rounds of, of worship with him. Be filled with the Spirit. He needs to be over you. He needs to be in you to help you not just to cope, but help you to overcome. To help you not to give in, but help you to overcome. He is our source of strength. Just borrowing this analogy from drinking again, when in the same way, when you drink alcoholic things, supposedly for some people, it gives them courage many times to do silly things, to say silly things. But I believe it's going to be the opposite. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to give you courage to say the right things. It's going to give you courage to proclaim the right things. Some of us are so scared. Oh, I'm not sure. No, can I pray this prayer over life? Can I proclaim this? Can I ask God for healing in such a way? Be filled with the Spirit. And then you'll find your prayer life go up another level. Amen? Point number three is this. God needs to be over us. He needs to be in us. And He must also work through us. Through us. In case you still don't know, we need the Holy Spirit in every poor of our life every part of our lives we need him to be flowing through us to be dwelling in us to be lording over us we need him we need him oh we need him on a daily basis we need him to save us to remind us to help us let's go to some scripture i got three scriptures we're going to read it in quick succession and then i'm going to come and help us unpack it luke chapter 12 verse 11 to 12 luke 12 11 to 12 says this, 
Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Okay? Think about that. Meditate on that. Matthew chapter 10, verse 19 to 20. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Wow, just, just meditate on that. Right, similar themes. Let's go to Mark chapter 13, verse 11. Mark 13, 11. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate. That's a very law word, which means think beforehand. Premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. See, four gospel accounts, three of them have this repeat statement on how the Holy Spirit is best experienced, when the Holy Spirit is most alive. You know, some of us here, we go like, I want to experience more of the Holy Spirit. How? How? When you allow Him to flow through you. Now, you don't need to be arrested. Okay, so don't go like, wow, okay, I get it. I'm going to go outside, get arrested, and then when it, at the police department, whatever I speak will be from the Spirit. No, 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 no. Okay, this is talking about persecution. This is talking about when people arrest you for preaching the gospel. In other words, if you, if you want to be a Christian, a lot of times we, um, we want to experience, I, I, I'm not sure about you, but I want to experience the, the true, unadulterated power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be by the sidelines looking at, at, at photos and videos of certain conferences and going like, oh wow, is that how the Holy Spirit moves? Oh, I wish I was there. No, 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 I want to experience it. And to experience it, you don't need to fly to another country. You don't need to have a, a go to some big name Christian conference. No, 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 no. The anointing is with the Holy Spirit. And the anointing is most active when you're living for Him. When you're sharing about Him when you're preaching the gospel. So could it be that the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit is extremely dormant, extremely unproductive in your life? It's because there's a missing component called witnessing. And it is in your witnessing that the Holy Spirit comes to you. Like what Scripture says, you don't need to worry, you don't need to think about it, it will just come. It will just come. It will just come. All you need to do is show up and live for God. One last testimony to seal this point home and I'll close. Um, there's a famous uh, World War II uh, kind of like Nazi concentration camp survivor. Um, she's a Dutch lady. Her name is Corrie ten Boom. Corrie ten Boom. And her and whole family were arrested and thrown into concentration camps because they were helping to hide the Jewish people that were being persecuted. They were hiding them in their homes. And that's why she wrote a famous book called Hiding Place, talking about how her family got thrown in. They were Christians and they wanted to protect the Jewish people from being persecuted by the Nazi regime at that time. And so they were found out and she was arrested, uh, you know, went through camp, persecuted, tortured, but by the grace of God, survived, and she went around preaching the gospel, and 
and even forgiving some of the people that tortured her in prison, prison guards. But her story started even before that when she was a young child. She was reading the Bible and it talked about how one day the world will become increasingly hostile against Jesus, against Christianity. And it might even come to a point where Christians will have to be martyred. That means we might have to die for our faith. In certain parts of the world, that's already happening. In the UK, not yet. But we shouldn't wait until it happens. So she was, anyway, reading it and going like, being a little bit afraid. And so she went to her father and go like, Dad, how, how I'm afraid. I'm reading and want to stand for Jesus, but I'm afraid that when that time comes, I'll be unable to. I'm afraid that when that time comes, I'll be tempted to renounce my faith, to deny Christ, and to escape prison. And this was years before World War II happened, because she was born in the 1800s. And the father gave her this very powerful advice that I believe speaks to us today, speaks to us this morning. And the father says that, you know, uh, when, you, when you go, f- you know, in a, uh, let's say in three weeks' time, you need to take a train ride or a tram ride to some place. Uh, when do you show the person the ticket? When do you make payment for the ticket? Do you do it three weeks before the train ride? Or do, we, or do you do it on the day? And then Corey Tamboom told the father, we, we do it on that day. When, when the conductor asks for tickets, we give him the money. Well, I know back then, I know, I know, modern day, pre-book, whatever, good deal. Just, just stay with me, stay with me. All right? And then, and so, on that day, when we're asked for tickets, we show our tickets. And then the father says, and that's the same with faith. Don't worry whether you'll be able to make it or not make it. When that moment comes, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you the ability to honour Him. Even though we're not living in a world of persecution right now, but I believe that there are a lot of people in our world who need to hear the good news of Jesus, who need to know that there's hope, even in death, even against cancer, there's hope and healing. And even if we die in this world, there's still hope because whosoever who believes in Jesus shall not perish but receive eternal life. Eternal life means that our current life is not full stop, it's just a comma. And there's a life that goes on. And so even if you feel like, oh, my life really, pardon the word, sucks, it's just this life. In Jesus, you have hope for eternal life. I think there are a lot of people who need to hear the good news that they are loved by God, that they have been forgiven by God, that whatever bad mistakes that they've done doesn't need to haunt them. They don't need to go to therapy. They just need to go to Jesus. And Jesus can set them free. Jesus can forgive and heal them and help them to walk with other people. Christians were called to walk with other people through their pain. Just like how God walked us through our pain. And the Bible is telling us that it is when we live for Christ in that way that the Holy Spirit is most active. 
And, and some of us who've gone on mission trips, you can attest to this. Some of you here, if you've gone for mission trips, cross-cultural, I heard some people say that, oh, you know, we went to a mission trip in Mongolia before, and we prayed for people, and the people were made whole. But, you, you see, it's the Holy Spirit is most active when you're there living for Jesus. You know, I, I, I'm from Malaysia, and, and, and one country that I, before coming to the UK, often did missions for was Indonesia. And in Malaysia, you do speak a language that's similar to Bahasa Indonesia, but it's very, very, very different when you actually use it in everyday life. And I remember going there for missions, and uh, we have a local church there. So I thought, oh, missions, I'm just going to support our local team. That's what I thought in my first trip there. And, uh, but, but, but thank God we have a really on-fire, God-loving uh, pastor uh, there called Pastor Franz. And he just loves throwing you into the deep end. And I remember he would bring me and go like, all right, we're going to do some house visitations and we'll go to uh, some of the poorest areas in, 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 in Jakarta. And where, where you know, and, and it sounds... It sounds this it sounds rude and disgusting, but it's not. But 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 you know, if, if you've been to my house before, you've you've gone to my toilet. Um, um I've I've stepped into someone's house where their entire house is the size of my toilet. And then Pastor Franz will go like, All right, this family, we've been trying to reach them, but the, but the father's unemployed, the child is sick, Pastor, pray for them. And I'll be like, uh, but you're the local pastor, you pray. And I don't speak the language to my first trip. And then he goes, no, no, you pray. And then he sets you up for the deep end. He says that, oh, shalom, good to see you. Oh, I brought a, a very important friend all the way from Malaysia. He came straight from the airport because he heard that you were in need and he wanted to pray for you. <laughs> my Indonesian is rusty, but I could understand as much as that. I go like, that's not the plan. <laughs> But right then, then what do you do? You pray. You pray. And you pray. These are real life problems. And you can't pray prayers like, oh, God, just bless them. You, you got to really dig in deep and go like, God, give me the words. Because my empty words of encouragement will not help this family. And so that's where you really go like, wow, you know, you, you start sweating sweats of faith. And God just, the Holy Spirit, Right then, then, we just suddenly drop words in Bahasa Indonesia, which I've never used before. And start saying it, say this, pray this, say this, pray this. And in the mission trips, I, I pray the shortest of prayers, partially because limited in vocabulary. <laughs> Ten seconds and done. But also because those were just the words that the Holy Spirit wanted us to say. Simple words like Alabapa di Shruga, our Father in Heaven. Semboi la Ibu. Heal this lady. That's it. That's all, that's all. That's all the Spirit gave me. That's all I could say. And then, you know, you don't immediately see something happen. And then the next year, I come back from mission trip. 
you know, the same family comes by and they go like, do you remember me? You prayed for us. After you visited us, after you prayed for us, my wife was unable to conceive, we conceived. My husband who couldn't get a job, got a job. My son who was a, who was a dropout in school, now he's going back to school. Thank you for praying for us. And that's when I go like, it's not me, it's the Spirit. I'm just sharing this because I believe the Holy Spirit is saying that this testimony is not just for Indonesia. This testimony is much needed in London. There are people in this city, there are people in this nation that need our prayers, that need our testimony. And the Holy Spirit is most active when we partner with Him in fear and trembling. A lot of times, we go like, how can I know the Holy Spirit is real? Get out of your comfort zone. By faith, in fear and trembling, love your neighbor. And as Scripture will say, see the Holy Spirit show up and show off. That's how we live by the Spirit. Amen? So I'm going to close this in prayer and let's maybe spend some time just worshipping. And maybe for some of us here, you love God and you, 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 you recognize the need for the Holy Spirit, but He's not Lord over you. He's under. He's in one corner. And maybe in this time of worship, would you, would you get your house in order? Would you get your life in order? And and begin to exalt the Holy Spirit to His rightful place over your life. And see the chaos in your life begin to cease. Some of us here, we're really struggling with our walk, struggling with temptation, struggling with addiction, struggling with different things. And we are either at the verge of giving in, or even have even given in already. We've drunk the wine that leads to debauchery. Or for some of us, we are finding other ways to cope. Oh, I'm very addicted to pornography. So, so, so uh, I don't know how to overcome that. Uh, okay, I'm going to play a lot of sports. I'm going to play a lot of sports. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm very tempted in that area. Uh, I, I'm, so I'm going to read this book. You know, I, I wrestle with a lot of fear. Uh, so I'm going to read this self-help book. And God is saying that you don't need to find the things of this world. No video game, no entertainment, no self-help book can be a substitute for the Holy Spirit. The best they can do is help you to cope but not be victorious. But when you're filled with the Spirit, you will be victorious. And for some of us, God wants us to begin to say, can I pray for you? The pantry conversations, the water cooler complaints, God is saying to maybe some of us here, don't just let it be a complaint. The next time you hear a colleague, the next time you hear a neighbor, the next time you hear a friend whine and complain and whinge, don't just be a listening ear, but offer to pray. And don't be afraid what will happen because the Holy Spirit will then show up and give you the words to say and it will be glorious, it will be powerful. Lord, we come before you. We humble ourselves. We throw down 
our ego, our dreams, our past, every bit of us that we've holding on too tightly, everything in our lives that have replaced you as the center, forgive us, forgive us. Pray again, would you reign over us? Holy Spirit, would you hover over us? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you renew our mind? Just like how the Israelites traveled with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Holy Spirit, would you be our pillar, our strength, our guide. Be the true north of our lives. Holy Spirit, fill us. We are weak. We are dry bones without you. So fill us, Holy Spirit. God, we say we don't want to give in anymore. We don't want to live by our own justification and excuses anymore. We reject the wine of this world and the coping mechanisms that we've picked up along the way. The self-justifications we've picked up along the way. And God would say, fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can live a holy life for your glory. And God, we pray that as we live, make us your mouthpiece. We refuse to be silent anymore. Help us not to be fearful of how other people will look at us. Help us to love you more than we love our friends. So that we care about your opinion more than we care about the opinion and the looks of others. Help us to be mindful of your look over us. And God, we pray, use us as your mouth. Use us as your hands and as your feet. Give us boldness to speak. Give us compassion to love. Give us a soft heart that is quick to obey tough hands that are quick to serve. God, again, we pray. Holy Spirit, be over us. Be in us. Lord, would you move through us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, Thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.